Hello, fiends, and welcome to Under Consultation, the video game television podcast. It's October, so we thought we'd share with you some of our past chilling UCP Extra episodes to distract you from things that go bump in the night. First to be exhumed is from August 30th, 2021, an episode of children's classic reanimated show, The Raggy Dolls. So join Luke and myself as we descend into the dark, dark woods. Hello, good afternoon. I've got some important news about Children's ITV, so I thought I'd read it like they do on the, you know the news programme, so I thought I'd do it like that, so here we go. <coughs> here is the news about 5 to 4 on Children's ITV. Starting next week on Tuesdays, Thomas the Tank Engine returns with all his friends on the island of Sodor. Do, 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 do. Also next week, Scooby-Doo moves from quarter past four on Fridays to five to four on Thursdays. Ruby, Ruby, Roo. On Fridays at five to four, Nellie the Elephant returns and says she intends to visit a farm. That will be followed by Rod and Emu. Then, at quarter past four, it's the Magic Crown. <laughs> Let's kick off today with Raggy Dolls, shall we? And I believe today it's a wet one for the dolls. It's not much of a life when you're just a pretty face Just to be whoever you are is no disgrace Don't be scared if you don't fit in Look who's in the reject bin It's the Raggy Dolls, Raggy Dolls Greetings and welcome to the Pod Rig. This is Under Consultation Extra, a patron exclusive podcast guide through the licorice all sorts of 90s TV. I am one of your hosts, Luke Cohen, and it's not much of a life when you're just a pretty face. And I am Ash Versus, and my only fault is I'm apparently French. This episode aired on the 20th of November 1986. Berlin's Take My Breath Away is top of the pops, while Billy Crystal and Gregory Hines are running scared at the top of the UK film box office. Let me tell you something. When you've been cops this long, you are not fit for anything else. We're looking for some new career challenges. Yeah, something with a future. Show me another career they let you shoot people. Give us your money. You're mugging us? I don't believe this. You better believe it or you did. Oh, come on. Let us keep the driver's licenses and the snapshots. And our badges. I can't believe that you missed all six shots. What are you talking about? I hit the windshield six times in a row. I'm the one who made him swerve. Oh, you made him swerve? Yes, sir. You always aim low anyway. Oh, good. Nagging me now. Nagging is good. You owe me ten bucks and I never said anything. You want it now? Yeah, I want it now! God, you remember when Billy Crystal was like the big thing for a hot minute? That was now. That was now. It was right at this point in time, yeah. And don't get me wrong, still a very, very talented comedian, a very, very talented actor. And, you know, Running Scared, it's the mark of the 80s. It's a body cop movie. It sure is. I watched the trailer for it earlier today and it's like, it, it comes up with these little title cards and it's like two, two of two of chicago and basically at the end of it it's like two of chicago's finest and then the final one adds a little question mark on the end because they are basically they're not bumbling cops but they're like cops that aren't taking this thing that seriously i guess and i've never seen the movie but i reckon there's probably a handful of laughs in there yeah it's a bit like spies like us you know, yeah. It's that kind of era where basically we're going to give you kind of a buddy movie or a spy movie and they're going to be a bit crap they're not yeah. going to be great but yeah, Gregory Hines, Billy Crystal, people you won't have heard of, and Jimmy Smits. Oh, gotta love anything with Jimmy Smits in it. Now, we, we figured that there wasn't much to talk about with Running Scared, and really, there isn't much to be talking about with Running Scared, but I had a look at what else was in the charts for that weekend. And a new release that did not make it to the number one spot, but did make it to number three, was John Carpenter's Big Trouble in Little China.
all aboard the Pork Chop Express. Not only could you have seen that in the cinema, like check this out for like your options rather than running scared. You could have seen Big Trouble in Little China, Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Aliens, or Basil the Great Mouse Detective. I mean, let's be honest. If regardless, you know, if we take age out of consideration, it's going to be Aliens. Seeing Aliens on the big screen, I mean, I've done it a couple of times at a couple of different screenings. It's always a great movie to watch with a crowd. Yeah, like when so it gets good. to Ripley coming out in the power loader, and it's just like boom, the crowd just erupts. Or game Get away over, from man, her, you bitch. Yeah, it's so good. Game over, man. Game over. Like it's it's wonderful to see on the big screen. But like that is a great week of releases to, to choose from. Trouble, big trouble in Little China, Aliens, Nightmare on Elm Street Two. That's tremendous stuff. And yet here we are. Running scared is number one. Yeah. But while we're talking about other films being released, the number one song take my breath away whilst it is a song released by berlin it was written by giorgio Moroder and tom whitlock for a little film called top gun which i think has got a sequel out sometime soon hasn't it luke yeah top gun is out this year in fact actually top gun was like top of the uk box office for like i, I was going through it week by week it was like top gun top gun top gun top gun top gun just as we get to this point in our timeline it stops being top gun and becomes running scared but yeah, it's, it's unsurprising that the song from it was also a hit. Yeah, I mean, it peaked the charts in the Billboard. It peaked the charts here in the UK, the Netherlands, Ireland, Belgium. And it was the second single from the Top Gun soundtrack. Do you know what the first was, Luke? Uh, it was the Danger Zone one. Kenny Loggins. Better call Kenny, because you're in the Danger Zone. That is a song that makes me think of university. When I was at university, 80s nostalgia was like at its zenith. And you would go to any club that was like, you know, they were for university nights, for student nights, and they would always play this, the theme tune to Baywatch, all that sort of gubbins. And yeah, this was one I heard a lot when I was a student. See, for me, it just makes me think of Archer. Which I've never, I've never seen. Oh, mate. Tell you what, Sleepless Nights, you should get into some Archer because... It's a very funny, very mucky cartoon series. It does jump the shark, but then it jumps back again. It's a weird one. They kind of decide to go a bit surreal, and there's a couple of ep- there's a couple of seasons where he where Archer is in various forms of a coma, and therefore we get noir series, we get a desert island series, we get a space series, and it's just a way of them keeping things fresh, kind of doing an American horror story on it. Mm. But a running joke through a lot of the series is to do with Kenny Loggins and Archer's love of Danger Zone as well as his love for Burt Reynolds. In fact, there are so many things in there that you will probably like. I am shocked you haven't seen it. But I think it's all on Disney+, Plus, so you should be fine. I was having a look at what else was going on in like TV, video games, and this, that, and the other. Um, the day before this aired, over in Japan, Nintendo released Kid Icarus on the Nintendo Entertainment System. Ooh. And I looked slightly ahead, because I thought this would be of interest to you. December 6th, 1986... Doctor Who concludes its trial of a Time Lord story arc with part two of The Ultimate Foe. This would mark the final television appearance of Colin Baker as the sixth Doctor before he was abruptly fired from the role. Yeah, if very briefly to sum up Trial of a Time Lord, mainly for you, because I imagine a bunch of our listeners already know, it was the idea of we're going to have a series of stories with a framing device. The framing device being the Doctor has been summoned back to Gallifrey to be put on trial basically for going around the universe fartassing around and meddling and he's brought up on charges of um yeah breaking the time streams genocide you know all the friendly fluffy ones and it was at a time when doctor who wasn't doing particularly great colin baker was a controversial doctor i actually think he's done far better in the audio series now because he's been given better material to work with i mean he started his run as the doctor trying to strangle his companion mm. this is freaking doctor who <laughs> you know it, it this is it, it, you know i mean to be honest the companion in question i can kind of understand wanting to strangle her she was quite an annoying companion as written at the time but it didn't bode well. And then you had his costume, which even as someone that doesn't watch Doctor Who, you've probably seen Colin Baker's costume. Is he, is he the one with the scarves? No, he's the one with the co- with the coat that is 30 different colours. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Different that's, actually, that's actually what I was thinking of. Yeah, Tom Baker's the one with the scarves. 
Trial of a Time Lord for being something that was really kind of like at the tail end of Doctor Who. It only went another couple of seasons beyond this. And as they, as you said, they fired Colin Baker. He didn't even come back to regenerate. They put Sylvester McCoy in a fucking wig. And the thing is, they, they cut up his face with some like very early computer video effects, but it's still clearly Sylvester McCoy in a wig. He's a good foot shorter than Colin Baker and about, I don't know, 80 pounds lighter. But I can't imagine what it would have been like to see the beginning of Trial of a Time Lord because it opened with the sequence that I've just sent you, this effect sequence. And it will only take you like 30 seconds to watch it. But I want to see what you think of this in the contemporary setting if you still think this holds up just as a piece of effects work, keeping in mind it was done by the BBC in 1986. It's very Red Dwarfian. Ooh sort of spin round yeah motion control baby and you're right it is very red dwarf because some of the same people were working on it or that went on to work on red dwarf Ooh, early cgi as well they pulled out all the stops on this that's pretty good i think the music's great as well that looks better than what we get now and then but then we're into the set which you've probably just seen appear and it's like "Ah, no bbc budget there you go there's the bbc cardboard and also, you, oh my God, I just noticed, if you look at that police box, you can see that's the one where the the the, um, the roof was sagging. You can see <laughs> it's not even holding up straight. But that is how Trial of a Time Lord opened. And it went downhill from there. But that opening model shot is still used today when talking about the classic show because it is one of the best model shots they had in the entire thing. And yeah, it's a great piece of work. But yeah, Trial of a Time Lord... It's okay. There's some fun moments. There's some plant aliens that look like vaginas. So we put up to the poll the Raggy Doll Rumble. Um, the Rag Doll Rumble, I should apologise, because we thought we would kind of group together all of the Rag Doll production things and ask for you to tell us which one you wanted us to vote on. And i got to be honest, I didn't think Raggy Dolls was going to win this poll. And in fact, actually, the, the one I thought was going to do well, the two that I thought were going to do well, came in joint third. Because it was Raggy Dolls with 32%, Brum with 27%, and then Rosie and Jim and Tot TV tied with 16% each. Pop, I, I didn't think stood a cat in house chance of winning 8% of the poll. But yeah, Rosie and Jim and Tot TV coming in joint third. I was genuinely surprised by that. Absolutely. I mean, to be honest, I actually thought Pop might like sneak this one from behind, might stealth it by spitting all over the others. But I was shocked. And maybe it's just the slight age difference between us and some of our listeners, but I I don't actually remember Raggy Dolls from growing up, which is odd because it was being broadcast at the time when I would have still been watching like children's television, although I was already on the Doctor Who train. So I was already, you know, I was a I was a I was a big buff preteen. I wasn't gonna watch Raggy Dolls. But I'd I'd actually genuinely I'd put my heart on Rosie and Jim. I yeah. was dead excited to talk about Rosie and Jim with you because I fucking love a canal boat, me. I, I genuinely like, I, I love canal boats and part of it is because of Rosie and Jim and part of the reason I love Rosie and Jim is because of canal boats. It was one of the, my, my younger siblings had Rosie and Jim videos and I think they also had a Raggy Dolls video, possibly even the same one that we used as our source. Um, They must have had some Teletubbies and they definitely had some Brum. But Rosie and Jim was the only one I never minded having on while I was babysitting them because it was a canal boat going along the water and I love the river and I love boats. And so it's just always made me happy. Darren Neville is the only person who's really commented on behalf of Raggy Dolls that said Raggy Dolls is the only one that I remember enjoying. The others were too young for me when they showed up. But my vote has gone for Pop. So even then, I thought this was one that was actually saying, yeah, I voted for Raggy Dolls. Um, Who else said Raggy Dolls? I thought someone else had said that they also voted for it, but I can't find anyone that said that. Now, Cliff had said, I had it in my head, Rosie and Jim, until I saw Raggy Doll sat there. There we go. It was Cliff that said it. I think Raggy Doll suits UCP Discord channel. We're all a bit rough around the edges, but we're closer community doing things differently to others. Uh, Sarah also voted for Rosie and Jim. Makes you feel any better. She's got two greyhounds named Rosie and Jim. Um, awesome. Which is a good, that is actually great na- uh, dog names. So yeah, I, I thought Maybe this is the age thing. I thought it would be Tots TV, but I also actually have, and I didn't know I had this, nostalgic memories for Raggy Dolls until the opening credits came up. And all of a sudden I was like, oh yeah, okay. I I remember watching this quite a bit because this would have been 
and I've told the story many times before, but when I finished school, um, my parents were still working until five, half five. So I would be picked up by a, a neighbor who would take me home from school and I would be basically just plonked in front of the TV and I would watch CITV until my parents came to pick me up. And Raggy Dolls was one of the shows that was on like right at the start of the CITV block. So I used to see quite a bit of this show. And that theme song was clearly stuck in my mind. Yeah, I, I mean, as soon as the theme tune started, like not even the words, just the build up to it. I was just like, oh, dun, 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 dun. I'm just like, I know this. I yeah. know all these lyrics. I know how this animation goes. And I would actually put that down to my to my younger siblings because, I mean, this show ran and still gets repeated now. It started in 86. It actually started earlier the year that this episode is coming from. Ran through to 1994. 112 episodes. Now, admittedly, they're only 10 minutes long. Yeah. This will probably be the shortest under-consultation extra we've ever done, even though we've already diverged onto Doctor Who and we've still got Neil Inns to cover. So... Thank you, though. I think we deserve a short under-consultation extra. We've been recording a lot. Yeah, we've done a massive, like, long day of recording. In fact, actually, the first episode we recorded today was midway through Series 4, actually towards the end of Series 4 of Games Master, where we found out the news that Raggy Dolls had come to an end. Like, it was the final episode was broadcast whilst uh, Series 4 of Games Master was on the air to kind of give you some timeline perspective stuff. And it was funny, like, when I was getting gearing up to watch this and get my notes together, when I was watching this morning, my wife came in and she went... <gasps> dolls ah oh, so i guess i guess that is uh that is going to be on the eventual video playlist for the younger owen i i, I think so because it's quite a good little show this it is just talking about theme musics this past week i discovered that uh, animaniacs fits cool for cats i remember you were saying we were talking about that on uh, the episode we recorded on monday oh do we got you this week's got into <laughs> we have recorded this will be our seventh episode recorded this week and our fifth episode recorded today Oh, so yeah. apologies if our voices sound a little rough because, boy, howdy, we've talked a lot of bollocks today. Oh, yeah. And, in fact, and we're not that, done yet. No, and in that half hour break that we had between doing episode 17 and this, I had to do a load of cameo things. So like not to brag or anything, but I had to do like five or six cameo things. So I've actually been talking nonstop. Man, I, I mean, I went downstairs and had a conversation with, with my partner. So, you know, yeah, lots of chatter going lots on. Lots of chatting. So anyway, let's talk a little bit about Raggy Dolls. Tell me all about it, Ash. And it was created by a guy called Melvin Jacobson, and script and narration and music were all written by Neil Inns. He was doing the full Dennis Waterman on this one. He was write the theme song, sing the theme song, do the voice acting. Yorkshire produced the first two series, and then they gave it to Orchid Productions in 1987. It was the first time Yorkshire had given up one of their shows to an independent production company. And I'd actually be very curious to go and look at the Orchid ones and see if the animation got better and worse because this is very much British animation. There's a lot of shot recycling and there's a lot, there's a lot of minimal animation going on. It, it's not quite the cardboard cutout stuff that we've had with Mr. Ben and whatnot. But it is, it, it, put this way, you know, this isn't this isn't your kind of real Ghostbusters, high quality Japanese animation. Oh, absolutely not. There's nothing quite of that level uh, there. But like there's, you know, there are a lot of shots where it is very much a still image that they are sort of just panning across or like zooming into or something along those lines. Uh, repeated animation as well is, is quite prevalent throughout all of this. But I think like the designs of the characters are so unique enough that you kind of get around a lot of that. But there is a real charm to this animation and it is so it's got a very unique look to it something that is very kind of like identifiable you would see a character you would see sad sack and if you'd ever seen the raggy dolls you would go that's sad sack from raggy yeah. dolls you would know that design speaking of sad sack and speaking of the raggy dolls the lyrics of the theme song kind of give away the entire premise of the show which is don't worry about fitting in even if you feel like you're a misfit there are other misfits too even if you feel like you don't fit in this show was made to encourage children to think positively about disabilities, about physical disabilities, about speech impediments, about not conforming to normal societal standards. Immensely positive. It is really positive as well, yeah. And the entire cast reflects that, with one exception. So we're going to go down the cast because we've got Sad Sack, who we already mentioned, who is essentially kind of an overstuffed 
design, an overstuffed toy. So I guess you could say that this is meant to be more accepting of people with weight problems or non-standard body sizes or shapes. Also, maybe to deal a bit with mental health problems, albeit inadvertently, he is the Eeyore of the group. He's quite gloomy. He's quite cynical, but he still loves his friends. He's also the oldest. He's the elder statesman of the Raggy Dolls. Yeah, he just wants cream buns. Who doesn't, mate? I want a cream bun after watching that episode a couple of times. Dottie is the next oldest, and she sees herself as the leader of the group. And she is, she's pretty botty. Pretty botty? She's pretty bossy. She's so named Dottie because she had paint spilled on her hair and clothing. So kind of dealing with, oh, fuck, what's the thing Birth, called? Like birthmarks and things like that, I, I was sort of assumed it's it was. Wine stains, isn't it? Or something yeah, that, yeah, yeah, I think that's like one of the names for it, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but basically dealing with like skin markings, birthmarks, stuff like that, even possible skin bleaching. Then we've got Hi-Fi, who has a stammer. So again, we're talking about a speech impediment there. And also he always wears headphones as well, which I find interesting because nowadays that is a way a lot of people cope with being overwhelmed by the world. Like it's kind of like almost like a semi-sensory deprivation or to stop them being overwhelmed to either provide white noise or just deaden the sounds of things feels like it's quite ahead of its time in that regard and maybe something that could be retroactively applied but his main deal is he has a speech impediment we then have lucy her limbs are inadequately attached they will come off limbs falling off isn't really much of a real disability but missing limbs that is definitely one she's also quite shy so i guess dealing with social anxiety there she can be quite brave and also she has a derbyshire accent which is quite nice it's a very yorkshire tv show this oh very I think also it's somewhat limited by the accents that Neil had available to him, but we'll brush over that. Next up is Back to Front. He's a handyman doll, so he's the one that will use most of the tools and stuff, and he actually puts them to use in this episode. He smashes shit together with a hammer. Oh my god, he says he makes things safe. He doesn't. He mullers them. But his issue is his head is back to front. Then we have Princess, who essentially was meant to be the beautiful Princess doll, and she even still has the speech modes and patterns. The H. She has a he to everything it's kind of indicated that she was the last of the raggy dolls in the title sequence like she's the last one to join yeah you see her in the production line being taken like literally like grabbed off the production line and thrown into the bin and i'll be honest less than a physical disability or physical ailment you know that could be identified maybe it's her hair but also maybe it's just kind of like trying to say don't judge people on their clothes. Don't judge people on their appearance. It's a general, don't judge people on their appearance. But then, then we get to Claude, who is French. And and that's the, what's wrong with him. Because he's actually fine. Like, he is a doll that is fine. Everyone else has got, like, things that are sort of, like, misshapen about them or whatever. They are made imperfectly, as the song will tell you. But Claude is like, now he's actually all right. He just got lost on a shipment from France and is now stuck here. And he's bilingual as well. And he's like, he's like, but basically, yeah, all of these, all of these dolls have some sort of defect as a doll, which is meant to draw a parallel to some form of uh, disability, non-normal appearance, something which they are trying to make children more accepting of. And then there's Claude, who's French. Exactly. Yeah. And he's like, it's very much like the, the one from Tots TV as well with Le Sac Magique, because he often in this, he'll just go like, c'est de l'or. Yeah, it's, it's not it's not a very kind of complimentary French portrayal. But then no. again, Neil Inns is working with all the voices in his box and he's doing what he can. He is one step away from just going, merde. Yeah, he, he's half a step away from ha 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 ha. <laughs> but all of these characters, even if the kind of they don't always quite line up with i think the original idea or it perhaps doesn't look quite so good now in retrospect they are all pure and good of heart they all support each other they are a family made by choice which is absolutely bloody beautiful and also bloody beautiful is the fact that yes neilins wrote narrated and sang for this show he is uh, he is an extended member of the Python family. He is in the Bonzo Dog Doobdar Band. He is the originator of the Ruttles with Eric Idle. And God damn it, he died December 2019. Far, far too early. He was just a creative tour de force. And even if you don't know the Bonzo Dog Doobdar Band... Even if you don't know the Ruttles, you will have heard his work via Python 
you may have even heard some of his... If you've ever heard The Urban Spaceman, I'm the Urban Spaceman, baby. That's Neil Inns. That's the Bonzo Dog Doodah Band. And they got their start in the 60s. He wrote Urban Spaceman. It was produced by Paul McCartney, and it actually got to number five in the UK charts in 1968. It won him an Ivan Novello Award. Well, I'm the Urban Spaceman, baby. I've got speed. I've got everything I need. I'm the Urban Spaceman, baby. I can fly. I'm a supersonic guy. I don't need pleasure. I don't feel pain. If you were to knock me down, I'd simply get up again. He was also the originator of the phrase Cool Britannia, which he did get a little bit grumpy about when it was taken on board by the Labour Party and Tony Blair, because he thought that, you know, using the political circumstance, that was not Cool Britannia. That was very uncool Britannia. Very PR Britannia. He was music. He was music right from childhood. He studied piano from the age of seven. He decided to go over to the guitar at age 14. He bought a really shit-ass model, though, and he said it was such a bad instrument, it was more like playing an egg slicer. So I put music aside and became more interested in painting. He returned to music and played with the newly formed band, the Bonzo Dog Doodah Band in the canteen at the Royal College of Art in London in 1963. They started to work their way around the London pubs. They had crazy-ass stage shows that immediately caught the eye of record executives who were looking for the next wild and crazy thing to put out there in the 60s. And studio albums followed, starting with Gorilla in 1967 and The Donut in Granny's Greenhouse in 1968. They also found some fame by appearing on the TV series Do Not Adjust Your Set. And then, in a connection that would come back around with the Ruttles in the 70s, they appeared in the Beatles' Magical Mystery Tour 1967, where Neil wrote the gangster-themed Death Cab for Cutie, which would go on to become a band name. It would indeed, yeah. They were a cult band, and they never quite elevated beyond that. They actually broke up originally in 1970. Neil didn't let that set him back. He went on for a solo career. He released solo albums. He joined up with Monty Python. Eric Idle's song, Always Look on the Bright Side of Life. Everyone knows it. Everyone knows that song. The Whistling. Ah, was it him? That was him. That was his contribution. But it's actually one of the most iconic bits of the song. Yeah. Give a whistle. And this will help things turn out for the best. And always look on the bright side of life. Always look on the light side of life. Even if you can't sing the lyrics, you'll know that. I have been to so many funerals where that song has been played. I mean, good. That that probably means it's achieving its purpose. Exactly. Because life's a piece of shit when you look at it. Life's a laugh and death's a joke. It's true. He worked again with Eric Idle. He contributed to Idle's TV series, Rutland Weekend Television, in 1975. Eric Idle then provided a platform for Neil's Beatles spoof, The Ruttles. And that then led to the Ruttles spin-off movie, All You Need Is Cash, otherwise mostly just known as The Ruttles, which got the backing and support of George Harrison, who was a huge fan and apparently said that he liked the Ruttles more than he did the Beatles. because Harrison was massively into Python because like, he funded um, a, a huge portion of um, Life of Brian Holy Grail, which has always been like the thing. Like, you know, they, the, the coconuts was done because they couldn't afford a real horse. And the film had, probably wouldn't have been made had it not been for Harrison stepping in and, and funding a lot of their work. I always remember his cameo, one in The Life of Brian, because he just appears briefly in the background, but then in The Ruttles. Who hurt Stig? One of the girls. Who? Big Valerie. We're very upset, but there's not much we can do about it. Why not? Well, she'll thump me. So, Stig injured by Big Valerie. And then after the 80s, which saw a lot of children's TV work, which is obviously partly what we're here to talk about, the Bonzos did reunite in 2006 at a reunion gig at the Astoria in London... Then, in 2008, there was a Ruttles 30th anniversary tour. In 2010, he did his own solo tour and was actually still touring until his untimely demise. 
He was always on the list of musicians I really wanted to see because his live sets would take into account all things. It would take Ruttles, it would take Bonzo Dog, it would take his solo work. He'd play whatever he could. And around the time the Beatles did the anthology series Mm. and one, uh, the anthology series, there was actually a Ruttles album as well called Ruttles Archaeology. Which is very good. Like I, I like how they've been basically just running alongside each other all those years. Yeah, and they actually got Ricky Fatar, who was also involved in the original Ruttles project, back on board. And some of the songs on the Ruttles Archaeology, they have their origins in Neil's solo work. But it doesn't matter where they came from. They all sound really good. Like, they, they, they perfectly ape what the Beatles were doing, but also kind of give it their own flavour. I I remember getting the Ruttles archaeology back when it first came out, and that was kind of my... My gateway to the Ruttles was actually their resurgence around the time of the Beatles archaeology, because I loved the Beatles archaeology series on TV. I remember taping every episode. My mum loved it because she was the one that brought me into the Beatles. But then the Ruttles kind of came alongside because the Ruttles movie was re-released on VHS the album was re-released. This new album came out. There was a single called Shangri-La, which is a lusciously produced song. And it's kind of meant to spoof off of Real Love and Free as a Bird and what they did with the uh, the Lennon recordings. But it's actually based on one of Neil's solo works, which actually, given what they did with Free as a Bird and Real Love, kind of makes sense because they yeah. were also Lennon solo works. Exactly. And yeah, as I said, sadly died in 2019. Absolutely gutted. I'll never get to see the dude live. And yeah, back to the 1980s. Obviously, Raggy Dolls is why we're here. He was also involved in Tumbledown Farm, The Riddles, and on screen in Puddle Lane, where Puddle he was Lane, dressed yeah. as a wizard. Puddle Lane is one that really strings, like that, that really attacks the nostalgia strings. Oh, and there was some filth in Puddle Lane as well. There were some jokes in there designed to go way over the heads of the kids. Like, we've got to have a chocolate cake because Aunt Flo is coming to visit. (laughs) The hell, man. Sarah Ferguson, she's the ravishing redhead who's stolen Prince Andrew's heart. In The Sun, read about the private Sarah and how Princess Diana played Cupid for her and the dashing prince. Read the true life fairy tale of the girl they call Fergie this week in The Sun. Who gave Joan Collins' new husband his lessons in love? Who put Nicky Lauda in a spin and gave James Bond a license to thrill? Marianne Hallberg, she tells her secrets in The Sun. Go to bed with a Sam Fox pillowcase. Go on, give us a cuddle. They're the hottest hunks in Britain. Read the confessions of the Sun Page 7 fellas and win a super new Montego Turbo plus Commando. The Sun's giving away 19,000 free tickets to see the new all-action spectacular. It's all in your whopping great Sun this week. Come on, Tom, get it together. Look, Tony, it's me. Achoo! Here comes Tiger Man. Yikes, take that, Tiger Man. There's a free model of Tony or Tom or Achoo Rabbit or Tiger Man in every special packet of Kellogg's Frosties, so you can make up your own adventures. They're great. Ronald McDonald's got time for you. It's time to meet his friend Big Mac, too. They're off to McDonald's for a great time. Come on down, you'll get along fine. Hamburglar's smiling, too. At McDonald's, there's a great time for you. Ronald McDonald's got time for you. Here's Barbie's new workout center. Town you look up. Barbie has great fun exercising. It keeps her fit, too. Stretching in front of her mirror. Then onto the exercise bike for a ride. 
pedaling faster and faster, lifting weights with her arms, then her legs. No wonder Barbie stays in such great shape. Barbie's new workout centre comes with an exercise bike and everything you see here. New from Mattel. What G are pheasants, deer, partridges and grouse? Game. What Q means to interrogate or examine? Quiz. What T is used to display transmitted pictures? Television. What W is the number one British games manufacturer? Waddington. What B is the best quiz game on the box, now available in a box? Blockbusters! Correct. Yes! Blockbusters, new from Waddington. The TV quiz game in a box. It's back. Emu's Pink Windmill Show. Yes, the gang are back on Friday. The goodies and the baddies. The funny and the frantic. Lots of great music. And fun. And fabulous new tales of Boggle's Kingdom. Emu's Pink Windmill Show returns on Friday at 25 past four. And the masters of the universe! It's not much of a life when you're just a pretty face. Just to be whoever you are is no disgrace. Don't be scared if you don't fit in. Look who's in the reject bin It's the Raggy Dolls Raggy Dolls Dolls like you and me Raggy Dolls Raggy Dolls Made him perfectly So if you got a bump on your nose Or lumps on your toes Do not despair Be like the Raggy Dolls And say I just don't care Cause Raggy Dolls Raggy Dolls Are happy just to be Raggy Dolls we get our opening intro titles and our story takes place here. By the way, this episode is called The Dark Woods. And let me tell you now, if you haven't watched this episode, which is highly likely because I don't, is this on YouTube? Because you sent me a link to like, you got this on our Dropbox. Uh, this is actually on archive.org. I will make sure the link is posted with a timestamp because this is essentially an archive.org upload of a VHS tape commercial release of the Raggy Dolls from series one. So I will I will make sure the link is provided along with a timestamp of where to look for this episode. I've just had a quick double check. The episode is up on YouTube, so you can watch it on there. So it's that and the fun fair, which is actually also on that VHS tape that we've watched this through. There, it's an odd one. There is quite a bit of Raggy Dolls on YouTube, but it does get taken down because it's still a vested interest because it's still shown around the world and still released on various platforms. But Dark is exactly how I would describe this episode, because friggin' hell, for a kid's cartoon series that's airing at like 3pm when your kids get out of school, they, there's, they, when they show the bear traps later on, there's bloody blood on them. Yeah, I wasn't sure if it was rust or blood, but I went with blood because I'm like, Jesus Christ, they show dead animals and they show maimings. I was going to say, there are animals hanging in this episode. It's brutal at times. They, they kill a guy. In the end, when the, when the lad's face gets trapped into a bear trap, they're like, and he looked very silly. I was like, no, he looks very dead because he's got well, no, a bear his trap beard. on his face. It was <laughs> his beard. Oh, it's not that big of a beard. That's wrapped around his face. But anyway, shall we try and follow through this in some sort of chronological order? I mean, it's only 10 minutes. I think we <laughs> could do this, man. It was a bright and breezy morning and the raggy dolls were happy and excited. I wish they wouldn't go so fast. Sad sack. The night before, Hi-Fi had found a map. It showed the factory and the big field and the dark wood. Ooh, I wonder what lives in there, said Lucy. <coughs> she began to tremble. Back to front suggested that there was only one way to find out, and Hi-Fi agreed. With an early start and a steady march across country, we could reach the dark wood by midday, said Hi-Fi. Super, said Dotty. A nature ramble. Er, what is a ramble? asked Claude. A kind of expedition, explained Dotty. Ever such fun. We'll need some equipment, said Back to Front. Compass, binoculars, first aid. And we could take a picnic, 
said Princess. Ooh, can we have cream buns? asked Lucy. The thought of cream buns did something funny to Sadsack's brain. He suddenly offered to carry everything. When are we going to have that picnic? So yeah, Sadsack is less than excited about the others because it's this bright and breezy morning because Hi-Fi found a map and we get this sort of like flashback to like almost early well last night when they discover this map and they plan out this journey that's going to take them through the dark wood and they then talk about you know how we could get some uh a picnic along the way we could do this we could do that it's gonna be very nice and sad sack isn't into this idea until it is suggested that they could take some cream buns and then of course he's like i'll carry everything then all the endorphins fire off and he's like cream buns you say exactly yeah but the poor bastard didn't realize it was actually a long journey now he's lagging behind everyone and we do get a little bit of play around because of course as we've established claude is french he doesn't know what a ramble is so he has to have a he has to have the phrase nature ramble explained to him and he's like, Zuta Law, Zarambal, Zuta Law. I also like Lucy as well, like, because they say, uh, you know, it's a woods. Uh, they've got to go through the dark wood. And Lucy's like, what? That could be in the dark wood. And what she sees is a fucking monster. And, like, there's, and I was like, there's fucking monsters there, Lucy. Don't go. Yeah, just don't go at all. And later, Claude is like, there are wolves, because why not? Yeah, exactly. But back in the present, Sadstack is still quite sad at all the crap he's having to lug and going, but when are we going to have the, <laughs> the picnic? picnic. And no one noticed him being left behind. They're meant to be a family. What a bunch of arseholes. You've made him carry everything. Surely one of you would have realised that Sad Sack had made a mistake. And so you're going to go and take some of the stuff off of him. Yeah, I was going to say, they didn't make him carry everything. He volunteered no, he to carry volunteered. everything. But they should have noticed that he was lagging behind and struggling. Poor form, Raggy Dolls. But they eventually reach a style that leads into this dark, dark wood which looks big, mysterious, and very dark. And fuck me, that's a monster tree, Luke. Yeah, I was going to say. And like, Claude's like, I hope there's no wolves. I was like, that's, I don't think that's the worst of your problems around this place, mate. Because it's not even a case of, oh, they're knotted and gnarled trees. It's like, no, that tree literally has a demon face. It's so scary. Obviously, Lucy's scared. Like, Lucy's knees start knocking together. It's a bit of a trademark thing for her. Even Dottie's a bit scared. And if courageous Dottie is a bit scared of this place, we got some trouble here, lads. And it's also so quiet. Everything's still. There's no noise. And the air smells of mushrooms and toadstools. Hey, mushrooms, man. <laughs> this is going to be a wild trip into the woods. Maybe that's why the poacher was there. Yeah, he was just off his tits on shrooms. He knew nothing about the traps. He wasn't actually a poacher. <laughs> it's why he laid so many of them. He kept, thinking, kept forgetting that he's already laid some down. Oh no, I was just thinking maybe the other side of the wild woods where the factory was, maybe that was actually like leading onto the pyramid stage. Maybe he was just there for Glasto, didn't actually know anything about the traps, and they basically just maimed an innocent clubber. Yeah, made his face fall into a bear trap. But we'll get, I mean, and we actually find out now about these bear traps because they hear this snap and like, you know, shit themselves. And it's out of fucking sad sack. He's in a bear trap. I thought you'd never come, said sad sack. When at last the raggy dolls found him, they could see that something nasty had happened. Sadsack was stuck in a trap. Its huge metal teeth had snapped shut, holding him fast so that he could hardly move. It's a good job you were carrying that rucksack, said Dotty, and the picnic hamper. Too right, agreed back to front. You might have been cut in half. Yeah, Claude thinks he's been eaten by a wolf. Claude, let it go. <laughs> Just stop it with the wolves thing. You're not helping the situation. But they find him in a mechanical trap, like a bear trap, or as Neil says, it's an illegal trap. Farmers aren't allowed to use these anymore. And he's right. There were rules and regulations put in place regarding what type of traps you are and aren't allowed to use. Yes, poachers would still use this kind of trap. I'm a rural kid. I grew up. We did get poachers in the area. Also, I'm fully aware, some farmers still did use the traps because... They were effective from their, well, because from their point of view, they were effective. Take with that what you will. But it did mean when you were out for a walk down the field to pick blackberries, you were fucking careful. Well, I mean, Sadsack, unfortunately, wasn't that careful. And it's only because he was carrying everything for the picnic that he didn't get cut in half. This is kind of like part animals of farthing wood, part <laughs> saw. 
exactly like and this is what i mean when we get to the poacher later on they specifically say here he'd have been cutting half if it were for those cream buns hey it's all about the buns mate exactly those buns saved his life <laughs> i mean and actually sad's like, like maybe a bun will make me feel better no mate getting out of the fucking trap will make you feel better stop stuffing your face and stand up because there were people holding the trap open and he still just lay there going oh cream buns it's like dude move Maybe I'll have another cream bun. Get a move on, man. But we hear another trap go off and another scream and a cry for help. This time, the victim was a squirrel. The dolls quickly freed it, but its tail would never look the same again. And oh shit, the body horror. I know this come over. This squirrel has got its tail trapped in this thing and is mangled up. It's not even they just go, oh, his tail's a little bit crooked. No, they show it and it is kind of like, it, it's Brundlefly-esque. It's kind of like what happens to the gibbon in the fly. It's like, Have they, you know, they get, they've got to get the message across to these kids. These traps are dangerous. That's why they show them with bloody blood on them. And, there's, and honestly, it's littered around. This is like Sideshow Bob and the Rakes, but with bear traps. There are... Like, there were more than five, put it that way. There were more than, definitely more than five. But it's okay, because back to front pulls out his hammer and kicks the shit out of them all. I love the, you can tell, obviously, the narration and the animation came at different times, because back to front makes them safe. Cut to animation of him literally wailing the metal, misshaping it. I'm not sure he makes it safe. I'm pretty certain you can still get tetanus off these buggers. Oh yeah, to do with like because if it's not blood, then it's rust. It's still very dangerous. I literally wrote back to front kills the traps with a hammer. And Dotty wonders why would these be here? Why, Luke? Why? Who could have put those dangerous traps in this wood? Exclaimed Dotty. Mama, maybe it's a poacher. Uh, what is a poacher? Asked Claude. Dotty explained that poachers are people who go hunting and fishing without permission on other people's property. That's why bad people called poachers and even explained to the kids here is what a poacher is here is why they're bad people because claude being french doesn't know what a poacher is bullshit mate you got (laughs) poachers in france yeah don't give me that sad sack however realizes they're being watched which i'm just like oh my god the horror increases i was thinking like maybe it's the monsters that are laying all of these traps maybe it's loads of poachers that are now after the raggy dolls but it's actually just all of these woodland creatures who come out who've all got they're all bandaged up they're on crutches and this that and the other and they tell the story of the ones who've been left behind an old rabbit popped up out of his burrow it's no longer safe here he said The dolls listened with horror as he told them about all the creatures who'd been caught in traps in the dark wood. A hedgehog, a fox, and five field mice who'd been left hanging by their tails. It's time for us to leave, said the old rabbit sadly. And it's this silhouetted shot of a hedgehog, a fox, and five field mice hanging by their tails. Yeah, all of these animals are dead. Yeah. <laughs> well, they were the ones who were left behind. And the uh, and the animals that we see, it is very much like seeing a shambling bunch of zombies. This could have gone full Romero at this point. Yeah, and this old rabbit is just like, I think it's about time we got out of here. I was like, I'm surprised you lasted this long. Yeah, I actually have that exact line. I said, the old rabbit thinks they should get out of there. And my comment immediately afterwards is, no shit. Yeah, you should have gone a long time ago. But Princess, on the other hand, thinks, no, you shouldn't leave. The poacher should leave. And because this show is only 10 minutes long, Back to Front's already found him. Exact same note. I'm just like, Back to Front's found him because we've got 10 minutes, guys. We've got to keep this thing ticking along. We wasted eight minutes on buns. Now we've got to get to the fucking poacher. Hey, mate, you're never wasting minutes on buns. Buns are important. In a clearing on the other side of the dark wood... He saw a man carrying a trap. That's him, cried back to front. He's just going into his tent. Oh, how do we catch him? Asked Lucy nervously. If he's in his tent, it's easy, said Hi-Fi. I know just what to do. Let her listen. But he's heading into his tent, clearly exhausted after a long night, I don't know, playing saw. And Hi-Fi knows just how to capture him, but we won't know. Because why not just show us? Because again, 10 minutes. Tick tock, motherfucker. 
exactly. Uh, and the, the plan is that once the poacher is asleep, because uh, he's been laying traps all day, they loosen up his tent pegs and then Hi-Fi like, tunes his radio into a police frequency and narks on him. And then when the police show up, the lad wakes up and shits himself and starts running around like a madman trapped in his tent. And that's when he falls over and his beard <laughs> gets beard. caught in a trap. It snapped shut on his beard, which made him look very silly. Neil's like, it made him look very silly. I was like, no, he is dead. This is like the end of Hot Fuzz when he lands on the church spire. I mean, to be honest, the, we don't see the police kind of properly take him away. One, because budget animations, and two, because they're like, we've shown five dead animals, a body bag <laughs> might be pushing it too far. Exactly, because it's actually an ambulance. Yeah, they pick him up and his head just rolls off and it's just <laughs> like, nah, man, we can't do this. That's also left behind with all the other animals. Oh, the animals turn it into a kind of a totem and they just dance around it. Like Lord of the Flies. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Lord of the Flies. You know what? I think we've actually made this darker, Luke. I'm not entirely <laughs> sure. I don't think it is. I think it's all in the subtext. There is a shot in there. There's a couple of shots in this that are genuinely terrifying. One is when you cut to the sleeping poacher and you've just got the raggy doll silhouetted against the tent. <laughs> and I'm, I'm like, I've seen the Charles Band canon. I know exactly what this is. This is where one of them throws leeches over you or like has a six shooter or drills through your face. This is demonic dolls versus puppet master. Like this is all over. I mean, in fairness, we do actually see them take him away because they put him in wrist irons, but they're not modern handcuffs. These are old school handcuffs. Old ass handcuffs, these are. Yeah, these are proper irons. He's probably going to get tetanus from those. Every Tetanus for everyone, Luke. <laughs> yeah. You get a tetanus, and you get a tetanus, and you get a tetanus. I do like the line of, Hello, 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 said one. What have we here? A poacher caught red-handed. You better come along with us, chummy. This Boise from Only Bulls and Horses <laughs> is apparently now a policeman. Marlene? But Raggy Doll saved the day. The police car drives away out of shot because animation. Well done, chaps, said Dotty. Especially Hi-Fi. Oh, yes, agreed Princess. Hi-Fi has been absolutely super. Three cheers for Hi-Fi, said Lucy. Hip-hip, hip, hooray! Hip-hip, hooray! Hip-hip, Hooray! Well done, says Dotty, especially to Hi-Fi. Three cheers for Hi-Fi, despite Sad Sack being the one that carried all the shit and also the harrowing experience of being caught in a bear trap. No, it's Hi-Fi. Also, back to front, got rid of all the traps, and he found the poacher. Where's back to front, like, award? I mean, basically, Hi-Fi is getting all the praise because he's got a radio. Yeah, because he narked. Although, the plan was his. It, yes, it was his plan. I'll, I'll give you that. I'm just saying that there are other people who are involved in this. Anyway, Sad Sack clearly doesn't feel too bad because while they're all cheering, giving themselves conciliatory raggy doll hand jobs over <laughs> high five, <laughs> Sad Sack is just like, I'm having the buns, mate. And he just eats, he eats three of them for luck. Meanwhile, Sad Sack was busy unpacking the picnic hamper. He began eating cream buns. First one, then two, and then three. For luck. End. Ten End. minutes, we're done. <laughs> Gotta get out. Play those credits. We can't cut the credits short because it's an actual song. So boom, he eats three buns for luck. Credits. It was a very simple story, a very simple message. I think it got its message across. Poachers are bad. Kill them in the face and <laughs> eat some cream buns. It's a moral age. It's a moral message for the ages, Luke. It, it's you know, it's how I live my life. Kill poachers, eat buns. <laughs> Gonna get that tattooed on my bicep. Exactly. Kill poachers, eat buns. But I mean, I had fun watching it. I thought it was great. I actually watched a handful of uh, Raggy Dolls episodes this morning while I was doing my notes together. I I did right when I found this uh, VHS rip. I did watch a good chunk of the episodes on there. I also watched some Rosie and Jim, and I also watched some Pop. I had a proper old Raggy Doll rumble myself. And I had a proper old ragdoll rumble myself. And do you know what? They were just great little shows. I mean, this one, I deliberately picked one that was going to be a bit dark. And I confess, much like everything is better when talking about it with you, <laughs> this went, I was just like, oh, this is a bit nasty. We'll have a bit of fun with this one. And then we've just turned it into some kind of like torture porn-esque <laughs> we, our minds have been Our minds have been warped. This is like Rob Zombie's Raggy Dolls. <laughs> Rob Zombie's Raggy Dolls. There wasn't enough incest for it to be Rob Zombie's Raggy Dolls. What was the guy who did the Human Centipede? Oh man, what was his name? Tom Six? 
Yeah, Tom Six, yeah. Yeah, Tom Six is Raggy Dolls. That's the reboot. That's the gritty reboot that we're getting. Sewn together. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I had fun watching it. Uh, and I hope you enjoyed it as well, uh, Patreon. I, I, I thought it was a lot of fun. I'm actually kind of, And now, I'm glad that it won the poll. Yeah, I, I, by the way, I don't know that any other one of the series, bar possibly Pob, because that was almost some eldritch horror in itself, I don't know any would have brought us quite as much joy. And the thing is, we have ripped the piss out of it a bit because it's kind of what we do on these ones because the rule is no punching down on Games Master. No one said anything about the bonus episodes. But I do want to reinforce what an incredibly positive and well-meaning message Raggy Dolls has. I mean, I said, will it be on the... Will it be on the playlist for the junior Owen when they arrive? And I don't see any reason why it shouldn't be. They all have a positive message, even if this one, I would wait until they're a bit older because it's a bit heavy handed. Yeah, It's a bit dark, this one. But uh, yeah, the message is really good about like accepting others, accepting others' faults and things like that, working together, being a family unit. I think it has got a really nice message in it. And that's kind of what's great about Ragdoll Productions and all the things that they were doing is there was never anything mean spirited about their shows. They would just pop apart from pop because he's a prick it was just nice it was it was just very very it was just it was innocent yeah innocent and stuff. the thing is that stuff still does exist today and as i said raggy dolls is still shown all over the place but then you got pepper pig who's just a twat oh yeah really pepper pig is horrible do not show your kids pepper pig as a, a friend of mine refuses to show her child Peppa Pig because she's a bad influence, which is why. So I've heard, uh, if there are any other parents who are listening to this, I've heard that Bluey is a very good replacement for Peppa Pig. Also, Paw Patrol's pretty cool. I've, I've heard Paw Patrol's excellent as well, yeah. Yeah, uh, I work with someone whose kid freaking loves Paw Patrol. Thomas the Tank Engine, your mileage may vary. I'd still be tempted to go for the original Thomas the Tank Engines if you can find them with Ringo Starr because... They're fun. They've got a real charm to them. The animation and the model work is great. And they also do good, moral, occasionally slightly heavy-handed messages. Like, you know, one of them gets bricked up in a tunnel and left for dead. (laughs) But they're also charming because it's Ringo Starr. Exactly. Who doesn't love Ringo Starr? Uh, Paul McCartney? Yeah, I was going to say, apart from Paul McCartney. But anyway, I think... (laughs) Let's wrap this episode up. Thank you all so much for listening. Thank you all so much for being Patreon backers. Uh, it was wonderful doing this episode. Thank you so much for voting on it. What happens for the next few months of uh, the year remains to be seen, but don't plan to your Patreon just yet. We will still have uh, maybe not UCP Extra episodes because we're going to struggle to get those recorded with my little one on the way, but we will have something going up in its place. I've got a number of ideas of stuff that I'll be doing. Some of it might involve Luke. Some of it might involve other guests. Who can tell? But there will still be extra content as part of Under Consultation Extra. And who knows? Depending on how time goes for me, because I won't be recording the regular weekly episodes with Luke, maybe you'll get extra, extra content extra extra content so keep an eye out for that ash will be uh, giving you updates but thank you all so much for your backing thank you all so much for your support over this last i mean we've done our patreon now for well over a year at this point and we've very much enjoyed doing all of these so go into the back catalog and listen to all our other old episodes as well um but i think that will do it for now thank you all so much for listening we'll see you on the next ucp extra take care everyone good night